teachers in this retreat for two reasons. First of all, this is the first time I'm actually teaching a retreat. <laughs> so you are my guinea pigs. And instead of me teaching you, I see this more as an opportunity of you teaching me. Teaching me how to teach a retreat. I've taught meditation before, but never things spanning multiple days. Second reason why you are the teachers in this retreat is that you are going to be teaching yourself how to meditate. You might think that I will teach you how to meditate, but I'm going to give you ways to meditate, ideas that came from the Buddha and other teachers, ideas from me, from my teachers. But unlike many other things in life, I cannot as a teacher see how you are applying those ideas really. When I was in university doing mathematics, the teacher would, would write something on the board, an equation, and you would have to solve it, and you solve it, and the teacher could just see your work, exactly what you did. Or when I was playing the drums and I had a drum teacher, you play the drums and the teacher sees exactly what you do and then he says, oh no, you're holding it, the stick wrong or you're doing this too soon or whatever. But when I teach you meditation, I say some certain meditation teachings and then I say, now you go and do it. How can I check whether you're actually doing it? <laughs> I can't. So that's why you are really your own teacher. And I give you techniques to use, but you have to decide whether those techniques are actually working. Because I cannot, like my drum teacher, I cannot see whether you're doing it correctly or not. So how can you decide whether you're, this is actually working or not? Meditation is always supposed to lead us slowly towards being a more peaceful person. Now, you might sit down to meditate and realize you're actually not such a peaceful person. <laughs> a lots of thoughts will be coming up. A lots of emotions might be coming up. You might be bored. All these things might happen. This is all natural. And in this retreat, I will talk about all those kinds of things which might happen in meditation, how we look at those things and how we deal with those things. But before we go into detail, I just want to ask, who of you is new to meditation? Is there anybody who's never meditated before? Ah, there's a few. Thank you, thank you for coming on this retreat. and. Uh, giving this a shot. I think you will enjoy it. And there's a people who is the first time for being on a retreat. Uh, well, the whole, the whole retreat center is booked full. I was so surprised when I heard it. I thought maybe there would be like 20 people or something, but it's all fully booked. It shows you how much of a demand there is for meditation these days. Yeah. 
So Sharanga already told you some things that we will be doing in this retreat, some things that are uh, asked of you and things that you can ask of us. And I also made a list of things that you should be doing on this retreat, things that I expect from you, my expectations. And I wrote them all down. I better pay close attention because this is going to decide this is whether your meditation will be successful or not, whether you listen to my expectations of you. This is the list. There are no expectations on this retreat. You can do whatever you want, really. If you think these talks are boring and you just want to sit in your hut and meditate or go for a walk or anything, that is all fine. There are no expectations in this retreat. If you decide not to come for the questions and answers, that's also okay. Anything, really. And the reason is I don't want to put any pressure on you. Because if I put pressure on you, you have to come for the talk. You have to sit in full lotus position to meditate. <laughs> full lotus position is some very complicated yoga way to sit meditation. And uh, please don't sit like that because many people hurt their knees like that actually. <laughs> so you can also sit any way you like. But... I have no expectations of you, what you will be doing on this retreat. You don't have to listen to the talks. You don't have to be a perfect meditator at all. <laughs> I hope you also don't have any expectations of me. My first retreat, who knows, the talks might not be the best, but I'm learning. Most important though, don't have any expectations of yourself. Don't come here expecting to be enlightened by the end of this retreat <laughs> or expect very special things to happen in your meditation. They might as well, but they might not. Can I ask why you came on this retreat? Maybe ask a question in your own head. I came to this retreat because I... Because I... Who has an answer? Who can answer that question for me? Just your own opinion. Yes, please. Looking for stillness. Looking for stillness. Sorry? Because I enjoy peace. Ah, you enjoy peace, very good. Stillness, peace, very good. Anybody else? To be liberated. To be liberated. <laughs> That's a very high standard. So these are, these are expectations. I want peace. I want stillness. I want to be liberated. The problem... Discuss of the samsara. Yeah. 
The problem, though, is if we set expectations, is when they are not fulfilled, <laughs> then we suffer. This is the teaching of the Buddha. That from our desires and expectations create suffering. So when we meditate, instead of sitting down meditating, I'm just going to pretend. Okay, I want to be happy. I want to be at peace. I want this and that. If you meditate like that, I say it's not going to be a very peaceful meditation. Because you're always trying to get something. Give me the peace, please. Metaji, I've been meditating all this time, wanting this peace, it never comes. Why? Because you're wanting something. You're striving for it. So instead, when we meditate, we try to not want anything and just let the meditation happen by itself. If we want things, our mind is moving off into the future. If we move into the future, we're always restless, always trying to get something, always going after something. But meditation is about being in the present, in the present moment, and accepting whatever the present moment's moment brings. So lately when I've been uh, sitting meditation, instead of starting my meditation with I'm sitting meditation because I want blah blah blah, I want peace, I want happiness, whatever, I sit down and I remind myself not of the things I desire or want, but of the things that I value in life. I tell myself, because I sit meditation because I value the simplicity of just sitting down doing nothing. Even you could say, I value compassion. Or in, when we sit meditation in a group, you might say, I sit down because I value all these people and we sit down together, create peace together. And you might find if you just rephrase the way you think about meditation instead of wanting to change things, wanting to be what isn't. Instead, you think about things coming from, instead of you look at it where you're coming from, instead of where you're going to. I come from compassion, I come from a place of uh, valuing kindness, simplicity, and I value learning about myself, self-awareness, caring about myself, or accepting the way things are. Because in meditation, you might want the peace and the quiet, and you will get some peace and quiet probably. But probably you also get a lot of suffering as well. <laughs> you get a lot of noise inside your head. And you'll get a lot of thoughts that might disturb you probably. You might get bored, you might get sleepy, 
you might get annoyed with yourself. I've been in all these places myself. I don't know about you. Venerable Metaji uh, is laughing. He's also been in all these places. And if your mindset is, I don't want to be restless. I don't want to be uh, uncomfortable. I don't want to be this or that. Then that one thing is the suffering, the, the main suffering. So instead what we do is not trying to get rid of our mind state. Instead, we are thinking a lot maybe. Let's take that as an example. Instead of sitting there, oh, I don't want to think, get away thought. Move out of here. You don't belong in my head. I want to be quiet and still. Instead of that attitude, we are kind to the thoughts and we are accepting of the thoughts. Or if we are, even if we are uncomfortable in our body, we accept the discomfort in our body. Because it's a part of life. Discomfort is a part of life. And it is even the case that without suffering, you cannot have happiness. Because happiness is when the suffering temporarily ceases. So we should actually embrace, in a way, the suffering in our meditation or the suffering of life. The other day I was going for a walk. Well, actually I was not going for a walk. I was walking back to my uh, hut in the forest. As monks we live in little huts in the forest. And the main monastery is uh, down the road that way. But my little hut is somewhere that way. The monastery spreads all around Jana Grove, sort of, nowadays. It used to be only there, but now we're also over there. And I recently moved over there. So every day I have to walk quite a far to go to the monastery to get my food, uh, or work in the monastery, then walk back again. And the other day, it was raining crazy. It was such a rainy day. And I'm from the Netherlands, it can be quite rainy over there, but uh, here sometimes in these, I don't know if it's the same in Perth, but especially here in the hills, sometimes it just goes uh, berserk, basically. It's just raining really hard. And I had to walk through that. So, of course, well, I had my umbrella and I even had rubber boots, but of course I was not happy to walk through all that rain. I was quite, yeah, well, I... No, I didn't even have my rubber boots yet. I wasn't clever enough yet because I just moved over to that hut and I didn't know how far it was. I just moved over there a couple of weeks ago. So I was just in my tongs and all my foot were wet and I was annoyed. <sighs> Stupid rain. But then what happened was I was just walking in the rain and suddenly the clouds opened up and the sun came through just for a couple minutes and I was like wow I was so happy with the sun this is such a beautiful sun it was the most beautiful sun I've seen in long long time and then quickly 
the clouds came again and it started raining again. But I was happy to have seen the sun. And my walk, the rest of my walk was very pleasant. Now you might say, that's crazy. The sun is here 300 days of the year. Why do you only appreciate that little bit of sun? Because when it's a normal sunny day, then I don't care about the sun. It's just, okay, it's the sun, whatever. Uh, you see it all day. But when it's a rainy day, then I really appreciated the sun. Now I'm telling you this story because I said before, without suffering there cannot be happiness. If you in your meditation or in life are struggling, it's like rain that you have to walk through. But then when the rain stops, and it will stop, because it cannot rain forever, that's, that's not the way it is. Likewise, in your meditation, you cannot always be struggling. When it stops, wow, you get suddenly this nice peace. Therefore, we should appreciate everything in meditation. Not just the peace, but also the non-peace. Also the restlessness, the discomfort because it's like rain the discomfort is like the rain without the rain you cannot appreciate the sun and without discomfort you cannot appreciate the peace got another piece of paper I came prepared half just a few things don't want to prepare too much we're supposed to improvise as monks, but this I did not improvise because I thought of this. You see this piece of paper? What does it say? Happiness. Happiness. So who wants this? <laughs> who wants it? Come and get it if you want it. <laughs> because if you get this, this happiness, yeah, it's real. It says it right there. This is true happiness. Yeah, nobody wants it. Well, because if you would come and get this, you probably know there's a trick coming. You would also get some suffering along. There are two sides of the paper. You cannot have a piece of paper with one side. that doesn't exist. The same way in our lives. We might want it to be 100% happiness, but such lives do not exist. You always also get the suffering. Like a piece of paper always has two sides. Life has two sides as well. And that is why we meditate. I was supposed to teach only beginner stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm teaching you the deepest Buddhist truth right from the beginning. This is why we meditate, to learn to accept these facts, that we cannot always be happy. That happiness and suffering are two sides of the coin. This realization opens us up to life, and we create compassion, because we see that nobody is free from suffering. And this way, we we do actually become more happy. 
because meditation is, of course, it's not about creating more suffering. We reduce the suffering, but there will always be some. We slowly become more happy. Actually, we, mainly we become more peaceful. That's the main point. Because once we realize that there's these two sides of the paper, that life cannot always be perfect, then we become at peace with life. Do you, can you understand that? Instead of fighting the currents of life, and we want to go that way, but life is pushing us this way. We want to be happy, but we get suffering. We want to be rich, but we're poor. We want to have this relationship, but it doesn't work out. It's sometimes we're fighting the currents of life. And mainly we're fighting the currents in our own head. I don't want to be like this. I wish I was different. That creates a lot of suffering. But if we can, through meditation and through practice in life, learn to accept the way life is, we become at peace with it. And that is what we will uh, make a tiny start with at this, at this retreat. So I'm sorry to disappoint you <laughs> because sometimes you hear these gurus and these uh, best-selling authors who say, come to my retreat and I will teach you how to be always happy and rich and prosperous. But if you come to Sunyo's retreat, I will teach you the reality that you cannot always be happy. <laughs> sorry. But maybe this is why I'm not a best-selling author, and those people are. <laughs> but just the ac acceptance, maybe that would, should be the key word of this retreat. Acceptance of life, acceptance of our minds. It's not giving up on life accepting the way things is actually allows change let's say there's a certain thing you want to change about yourself who here wants to change something about themselves I definitely do yeah. there's nothing wrong with that that's a very good, probably you have good intentions, you want to change to become a better person, and that is superb. But how do you change? Sometimes it's so difficult to change. In my experience, it always starts with acceptance of the way you are right now. And I got a little simile, I don't know if it will work, but what if you want to change a tire on a car? What do you do? Let's say this is the tire on the car. It's around, so it might work. It, because the tire is flat. Yeah, it, 
there's a hole in it, so you want to change it. What do you do? Go away, stupid tire. Change. Uh, I don't want you. Be a whole tire. Be fixed. I want you fixed. Does that work? Or let's say you have a fixed tire and you want to put it in place while the, the broken tire is still there. It doesn't work. What you got to do first, you want to fix a broken tire. So you have to pick it up. Take it. Oh, tires are really heavy. You really have to pick it up and brace it with both your hands. And only then can you put it aside. And then you can put the new tire in. So if we want to change something about ourselves, we have to embrace it first. We have to see it as it is. And just like you cannot change a tire just by wanting it to go away, you really have to pick up the tire, take it in your hands first. This is a simile for accepting, accepting the way you are. And after that, then you can put that aside and put the new tire in. This is why meditation always starts with acceptance, with kindness, with embracing the way things are, instead of setting a goal of how we want things to be. Does that make any sense? Yeah? I'm happy about that. <laughs> Sometimes you make up a simile and it, people are like, what is that all about? <laughs> so that will be the main theme of the retreat I just decided. <laughs> Acceptance and making peace. And that is actually the way the Buddha taught as well. And the way my teacher teaches as well. Talking about my teacher... Who knows Ajahn Brahm? Yeah. So Ajahn Brahm is our teacher, living in the monastery with us. And uh, before this retreat started, I just walked up and I saw you all sitting in the hall or in the kitchen eating. And I was like, wow, so many people. And this is my first retreat. Uh, maybe I'm going to mess up or, and, and I teach all the wrong things. And people might not like it. Then I thought, hmm, well, but I've been taught by my teacher, so if I mess up, it's, it's basically his fault. <laughs> because he taught me how wrong that. So if you have any complaints about this retreat, please go and see Ajahn Brahm. He lives in a monastery over the road. <laughs> No, please don't go and see Ajahn Brahm, he's very busy. <laughs> Any complaints, you can come to me. Yep. And then I will accept them. Because life cannot be the way you want it to be, but also retreats cannot be the way you want it to be. And you always, even if you're the teacher, you will always say some stupid things. Hopefully I say 90% good things and only 10% stupid things. Or 70% good things and 30% bad things. Because this is actually a rule that uh, Ajahn Brahm often teaches. 
it's been, a, in, been around for a much longer time than that, is the 70% rule. If you do things in life, never strive for perfection. It's a good teaching for me. I'm, I used to be a perfectionist, maybe still am a bit. So that's why I remember this teaching. Don't strive for 100%. Strive for 70%. Or maybe if that's still too much, for 50 or 30 or 10 or 1 maybe percent. So if you're going to be meditating here, maybe you have grand, grand ideas. I will meditate 10 hours a day and I will not miss a single breath when I'm focusing on my breathing. That's what I'm going to do. Well, I'm exaggerating it here, but you get the idea. Don't set these high standards for yourself. Don't go for the 100%. Go for the 70% or the 50 or the 1% <laughs> and you'll be much happier. Just a little story, it has nothing much to do with meditation, but uh, just when I said I used to be a perfectionist, I remember being in high school and in the Netherlands, they make the students suffer. <laughs> they want to teach you about suffering because they make you learn a lot of languages. So I had, well, Dutch, of course, which is the language of the Netherlands itself, that makes sense. English, okay, makes sense. German, okay, why not? <laughs> Latin, nobody speaks Latin, but he had to do it anyway. Greek, and also French. Wow. And uh, a lot of languages. And you get all these tests you have to do. And one day, we had the French test. Uh, uh, well, we had many tests of, uh, in the language of Fra France, French. But uh, I remember this one specifically because the teacher made a bonus question on the French test. So there were all the standard questions. Ça uh, va, I don't know. I, I forgot all about it. <laughs> but uh, you had to do the French test, the grammar and whatever not. And then sometimes uh, the teachers add bonus questions when they think the students, they're not doing too, bad, too well in their grade, so they add extra questions where you can lift your grade up. I don't know if they do that here in Australia or wherever you are from, but in the Netherlands they just sometimes do that. And this particular test, I remember so well because I had all the standard questions right and also half the bonus question I had also right. And then the teacher said, wow, Simon, which used to be my lay name, I've never done this before, but since you had all the questions right and also half the bonus question, I'm going to give you a 10 plus Usually 10 is the highest grade in the Netherlands. I'm going to give you a 10 plus. And what do you think I was? Yeah! You think I was like that? I was like, what did I do wrong in the bonus question? <laughs> and I see some people like expecting that because maybe you can relate. I, was, I could only focus on what I did wrong. 
instead of everything that I did right. And this is such a natural attitude in humans, and it's so, so silly, but we all have it to some extent. Maybe you know Arjun Brown's question, or question Arjun Brown's uh, story of the bricks in the wall. In case you have never heard it, here comes Arjun Brown's most famous story. In case you have already heard it, here it comes again. <laughs> you will probably hear it many more times if you ever come on these retreats. Arjun Brown's story of the bricks in the wall. When Arjun Brown, my teacher, many years ago, started building the monastery down the road, the Buddhist society was much poorer than it is now. There's no problem with that. We monks, we do a lot of work. I myself, when we build new huts, I did some of the building, made some of the furniture and stuff, and we do the electricity and things. Uh, but back then, because building codes were less strict, the monks could also do their own uh, brick the wall building, how would you call this? Brick laying. Brick laying, yeah. Um, so that's what Arjun Brown did in one of the buildings for the monastery. He made the whole wall around the whole building. Quite a nice skill to have. And how did he do it? Just very slowly, mindfully, placing the one brick, putting the mortar next brick making it nice perfect because you see those professional brickies bricklayers and they go like very quickly but uh, when you actually have to do it it's really difficult so Ajahn Brown took his time put all the bricks down after many weeks of work the, the wall was finished and Ajahn Brown took a step back and had a look at the wall Oh no, what did he see? There were two bricks out of line. And he had tried so hard to get all the bricks level, but he failed. The wall was, he thought, in his words, the wall had failed. It was an ugly wall because of these two bricks. And Ajahn Brahm, every time he walked past that wall, he could only see the two bricks in the wall, the two bricks that were at an angle. Every time he walked there. Sometime later, a visitor came to the monastery and Ajahn Brahm showed him around. Showed him this and that and then then uh, Ajahn Brahm said, oh, I made that wall. And the visitor said, oh, that's a very nice looking wall. And Ajahn Brahm said, well, maybe that's what you think. But the, you see these, these bricks, they're just not good, are they? And then the visitor said, well, I can see the two bad bricks, but I can also see the 998 good bricks in the wall. And when in life, especially when we go inside meditating. What are we going to see? The 998 good bricks in our mind? Or are we going to focus on the two bad bricks in our mind? 
it's very natural to focus on the two bad bricks or to focus on the part of the bonus question that you got wrong, <laughs> basically. And to focus in your mind on the things you think are, that you judge to be undesirable, that you want to be different. But why don't we focus on the good things that we already have? That might, might sound a bit abstract, especially for the few of you who have not meditated before. But you will learn to uh, uh, what, what this means. Because you sit down meditating, and those who have meditated before might recognize it's so easy to start focusing on the discomforts, on the thoughts that annoy us, instead of focusing on the peace that is also always there. For example, with thoughts, let's say. You sit down to meditate, and the first thing you realize, oh, I'm actually thinking so much. <laughs> and there's this uh, monk called Maché Ricardi. He's a Tibetan monk, and he once said, well, that's when people start realizing how big, uh, <laughs> how big the issue is with their minds. But they, another way you could look at it is actually, between the thoughts, there is also always a little bit of a silence. It's not like thought, 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 but there's also silence in between the thoughts. But what we focus on, naturally, what draws our attention is the thought. Why don't we turn things around and focus instead on the silence? between the thoughts. It's like focusing on the good bricks instead of the bad bricks. And if we focus, actually, this is the funny thing about the mind, whatever you focus on, if you do it with kindness and acceptance, that is what tends to grow. If we focus on the silence between the thoughts, the silence tends to become longer. And that is when we can find a lot of peace, actually. Because usually we go through life always following our thoughts, always. Our thoughts have so much power over us. But in meditation, one of the things we do is we let the thoughts have less power over us. We distance ourselves in a way from the thoughts. Because our thoughts, we always believe them to be true. And so we always race after what we think. Oh, what that monk did earlier, he is a stupid monk. <laughs> That's what I could think. Is that true, though? Is that a stupid monk? No, that's just my thought. It's a very nice monk, actually, what I'm, who I'm thinking of. So, 
just an example how your thoughts can be betraying you. And by meditating, we distance ourselves from our thoughts so they have less of a grip on us. Maybe actually we should now do a bit of a meditation together to make all these abstract ideas a bit more concrete. We do what is called a guided meditation. And in a guided meditation, I will give you some instructions to follow. Uh, and you might follow them if you want. Or you can also do something totally different. <laughs> As I said, no expectations. Yeah? Do whatever uh, you feel like. Because the thing with meditation is the mind is always different in every everybody's mind is a bit different and also from day to day, from moment to moment, our mind's different. So there's not always one way to meditate. And if I teach a guided meditation, it might not be the right thing for you right now, the exact things I'm saying. Yeah, maybe we have a little five minute break for it, and after that we will do the guided meditation. Okay, I think most of the people are back. So, in meditation, the first thing we want to do is make sure we have a nice posture for our body. And uh, the, the classic meditation postures are sitting cross-legged on the floor, but Please sit on a chair if you feel more comfortable that way. You see that Venerable Metaji also sits on a chair. Monks sit on a chair. The Buddha sat on chairs as well. So don't think that sitting cross-legged meditation is superior, because it isn't. Please sit on a chair if that is you feel is better for your body. Then just get in touch with your body. Feel what it's like. And see if it needs any changes. I got a little itch in my ear, for example. So I just scratch the itch. You might have your own itches. Or you need to maybe move some of your limbs around. Just take some time just to get comfortable. Maybe you need to move your cushions. Just really take your time at the beginning of the meditation to make sure that you have a decent position to sit in. Because it helps the mind to get still if the body gets comfortable. The body is at peace, it's more likely the mind 
will also find peace. And if the air conditioning is at peace, <laughs> that also helps. <laughs> if throughout the meditation you feel like you need to move parts of your body, and that is fine, of course. Don't lock yourself into one posture. We will not be causing unnecessary pain in our body by sitting too long in a certain posture that doesn't work. And once you sit down in a nice posture that you think you can sit in for a while, and you might want to close your eyes if you haven't already. If you feel more at ease keeping your eyes open, that is also an option. And bring your awareness slowly to whatever is happening right now. Or better yet, let whatever is happening now come to you. The noises you hear sounds the birds outside or the crickets whatever feelings you have in your body whatever is going on in your mind right now, just let it all just be. Let it all come to you. Right now we are here together and that is all there really is. The future which we so often think about is only in our minds, does not really exist. And the past is left behind, also no longer exists. So we let our minds come to the only thing that's real which is the here and the now.
and in this time, this moment, this place, there is no need to think about whatever will happen after this retreat is done. There's no need to worry about the yoga session tomorrow (laughs) or whatever. It's the future we can let go for a while. And the past, whatever grudges we have, or guilt, or regrets about things that happen, they don't need to be here right now. We don't have to carry those around. We're just here with life as it is. We're always carrying around the past and the future in our minds. But why? At least when we sit down to meditate, we can put down those heavy burdens of the past and the future. It's like You've been carrying around two heavy bags with you all this time. In the left hand, you got a heavy bag of the past. And in your right hand, heavy bag of the future. You've arrived and you can put down those bags. Imagine putting down heavy bags like that on the floor. It's really a relief to not have to carry that around anymore. We don't have to worry about the future or dwell upon the past. Just be right here 
and whatever is in your awareness in the present moment have an acceptance to it with kindness this is the way my life is right now and I fully embrace it I care about the now. Any pains or aches in my body I accept them as they are because if I want them to go away I'm in the future again Desire is always about the future. Whatever silly stuff is going on in my mind, also accept that as well. We send kindness to whatever we experience. If it's peace and happiness, we send kindness. If it's pain and suffering, we also send kindness. Because we realize that without the suffering, there would also not be happiness. Two sides of the paper. Without rain, you cannot appreciate the sun. So we also appreciate the rain.
if there is any areas, places in your body that feel extra tight, extra uncomfortable, particularly be kind to those places. Tell yourself, I care for you, painful body part, painful shoulder, which I have got. I allow you to be there fully. If you do that, ninety-five percent of the time, if not a hundred, the pain actually get less. Because when we send kindness and acceptance and are in the present moment, that's when we relax. So just see if you can do that. Be at peace with however your body and mind are right now.
and just relax your body by being kind to it. And if you start thinking about the future again, wondering when this meditation will be over, or what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow, or whatever, just realize that those thoughts don't really do you much good at all. And then gently and kindly Bring your mind back to what is here and now, to the only place that we really ever have.
and if we find some stability in the present moment and our body is reasonably at ease and see if you can hear the silence between the thoughts not by holding it tightly, but just by letting it come to you. Give the silence more importance than the thoughts. We can think the rest of our lives if we want to, but just right now, we value more the silence, the absence of thoughts, which happens from time to time in our minds as well, between the thoughts. And there's no need to be annoyed if it's mainly thoughts and only a little bit of silence or maybe you think it's only thoughts and you cannot be silent. That's okay. It's again the two sides of the paper. Cannot have silence without thoughts really. So we accept the thoughts as well.
and we are kind to our mind. Just like we are kind to our body. Okay. I already heard a few yawns earlier. So I think I'm going to keep this guided meditation short. And in a couple minutes from now, I will invite the bell. But I'll give you just some more minutes just to sit here and enjoy the present moment. Enjoy just being here. And if you found some silence inside your mind, comfort in your body, then enjoy those as well. I will now invite the bell. At the third ring of the bell, time to come out of meditation. How do you feel now? Take a little inventory of yourself.
you feel more at ease, less stressed. Usually, that's what meditation does. Not always, but when it does, take note of that. Really appreciate what meditation can do for you. So I realize for some of you that may have been your very first meditation. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you passed the test. So there was, a, I realized a little bit of a random introduction talk with various ideas. Uh, just a quick summary. You meditate, don't start off with what you want. Because if you start off with wanting, always chasing something that's not here, and you will be restless and you will suffer for that. Instead, we accept what is here. We accept the present moment as it is. We accept our body and mind. And by accepting things as they are, we find peace. We don't want peace. It's funny, if you don't want peace, that's when you get it. If you want peace, you don't get it. <laughs> so although we're looking for peace, we're not desiring it, if that makes any sense. And by being in the present moment, not going into the past or the future, we find a place where we can rest and give our minds and bodies a little break. So that's what we'll be doing throughout this retreat. Please, if you are in your cottages, or around that place, in this hall, when I'm not here teaching. Take time to meditate whenever you want to. Yeah, as I said before, no expectations, <laughs> so you don't have to, of course. But give it a shot. And you might realize that meditation is not always as peaceful as it's sometimes portrayed. Sometimes it is a bit difficult as well. But then we remember the other piece, or, or the other paper that I showed you, that suffering and happiness go together. So we accept also when meditation is not so peaceful. And by accepting that it's sometimes not peaceful, it already becomes more peaceful just by doing that. So please take the opportunity during this retreat to be with yourself, be with this present moment. Sit here in the hall, sit in your cottages. You can also do it while walking, by the way, but we might talk about that tomorrow or another time. And please yeah, try to be with yourself. This is an opportunity 
here on this retreat to do something different from what most of you probably do usually in your life. Usually you might talk a lot with people in this retreat. Please be quiet as much as you can. If there's really something you have to tell to your uh, cottage uh, fellow people in the cottage, then of course you can, but try keep it to an absolute minimum. Just to give other people the opportunity to be in silence. Also, you might have brought your phones, but you don't need to check the news. If there's anything happens that you need to know, we will tell you. <laughs> so social media, the news, why? Why would we check that only this weekend? If you can, try to be without those things. Try something different than from what you've usually been doing. See what is that is like. So now, that's the end of this talk, meditation. Please, uh, there will be an opportunity for questions. Uh, as Shiranga said, if there's any questions you want to ask, you can write them down on a piece of paper. This is part of the being silent as well. And there is a, a little table should usually be out there and you can write it, put it in the basket and then I'll, I'll answer those tomorrow. For now, have a nice evening and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, this is a Buddhist thing. For uh, I realized I was told there are not many Buddhist people on this retreat, but I'm less than usual. But uh, what Buddhists often do at the end of a talk, they say three times the word sadhu, and sadhu means awesome. <laughs> and by saying sadhu, you don't say awesome to me for the talk, but you say awesome to the opportunity that we have to be here together and learn a, about meditation. Awesome that the Buddha uh, gave us this opportunity to learn. That's why I also join in saying three times sadhu. And this is how we do that. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.